Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey, everybody. Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for listening, checking out the show. We got to get over this hump, y'all. Oh, we got to get over this hump. I got to get to the weekend. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm jonesing to get to my game, my campaign, so... Got to do something to get over this hump. So here comes Hump Day Bloggerama. So this is a weekly show where I spend the whole week following along with a bunch of RPG blogs looking for cool stuff. Um, there's no way I can cover all the awesomeness, but I try to pick out some highlights and talk about them here on the show. And then I post all the links to everything I talk about over at the Thought Eater blog. And that's frothsoft, frothsof, dnd.blogspot.com, where you can just Google the Thought Eater blog instead of trying to remember that. Um, I'm trying to just do a quick intro today because there's a lot of show, a lot of great content today. Uh, but honestly, every show's got great content. It's just my delivery that can be uneven, right? So I'm never worried about the content. I'm just worried about getting through it. So anyway, I had a bunch of call-ins and so we're going to start off with those. And then I had another uh, special call-in that'll be at, at the very end of the show. But, uh, I heard from some of the legends, a bunch of the anchorites, um, checking in with me. And so let's, let's have a listen to that. Be right back. Hey Froth, this is Jim. Uh, just wanted to call and say how much I enjoyed the hump day blogorama. Got me through putting all the books on the shelves and organizing everything especially when things were not where they should be so yep so we're gonna have have to check out your blog check out all the other blogs especially want to see the ones about making maps so thanks again keep up the good work take care uh and uh see you around bye Dude, Froth, it's Cody. Hey, man, you are absolutely killing it, knocking it out of the park, man. I, uh, I'm really enjoying these Top 3 Tuesdays and the Blogorama. Hell, I even listened to one of your session reports the other day. And, uh, yeah, you're just doing a fantastic job, man. Just thought I'd call and let you know what I thought. Keep it up. Hi, Arfed here. Um, I haven't called in before. I've been put onto your podcast by my brother and uh, been trying to catch up on your back catalogue. I like to listen to all of your podcasts before I normally start to call into a show, but uh, I'm struggling to catch up. You're just uh, putting too much out there, to be honest. So I thought I'd call in and just show my support. Uh, Really enjoy the podcast. I think you're doing a great service for people with your Hump Day Wednesday episode, uh, showing people what's out there and getting people to see what good content is about um it's a time saver for many people and uh just loving willie the wizard so i think there should be more of that uh anyway keep up the good work and uh thanks for your time gentlemen thank you all so much i can't tell you i'm being completely sincere here i want y'all to know how much I appreciate uh, the feedback, and I'm gl- so glad that y'all are enjoying the podcast. It makes me feel good. I talk about this on, on the show 
uh, you know, talking about bloggers where it's like, you know, even if you just, if you're checking something out just leave a little post saying great post, just anything like that can make somebody's day. You know, I've commented on somebody's post, uh, somebody's blog the other day and they said something like, Oh, thanks. I feel like I'm just talking to myself, you know, something like that. There are very few people that are doing anything creatively, no matter what it is, podcasting, blogging, playing music, painting, whatever. There are very few people that are like recluses that don't want their stuff seen or want feedback. I saw this documentary one time about a guy, Henry Darger, that had created this whole world and everything, but people didn't discover it like till he died and he never wanted anybody to see it. Or, you know, very few, few people are the Henry Dargers, you know, so I'm thrilled y'all are enjoying it. Uh, Mr. Yoder, um, you got to have some patience working in the library. I, I've got some respect for you. Uh, and, uh, so thank you. And, uh, as far as the mapping goes, yeah. Um, from, so from last week, he was kind of referring to some of the map stuff I talked about. There's a site, the storyteller.design that's got all these great tutorials on how to, you know, draw your own maps and stuff. And it's really worth diving into, um, Lots of good um, map tutorials and, and how-tos on there. So if you check that out, Mr. Yoder, let us know. And then Cody, you know, you're the man. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Um, thanks for that. And then RFED. See, now, I have a confession. I never, I would hear RFED on uh, his brother Colin's show, Spike Pit, and Colin on other shows, and I just hear RFED said real fast. And I, I, I'm not, you know, I wasn't in the first wave of anchorites, you know, so I had no idea what that meant. So I was looking, I was like, Darren Green, and I was like, hum, uh, how do you get RFED out of there? What is the, I don't even know how to, you know, I didn't realize the spelling of just R-F-E-D. So I'm thinking, is his middle name Arthur? Is this some kind of, you know, I thought maybe surely I would realize what it is through osmosis after weeks but i never did so i would never have felt comfortable saying rfed until finally on the audio discord it was made clear to me that rfed stands for rocks fall everyone dies so <laughs> that has got to be the most killer nickname of all time it's like what's your hey what's up i'm i'm, I'm ron yeah i'm rfed it's like oh rfed yeah yeah rocks fall everyone dies that's what that's what people call me so <laughs> i think that is the killer nickname but I appreciate y'all so much. As far as uh, Willie the Wizard, I'm hoping we have something Friday. My daughter's graduation stuff is all happening and her dance recital and everything. So she's really busy and everything's just a little weird right now um, with, with all that. So, uh, But Willie's not gone. Willie's just resting. You know, Willie loses a lot of hit points based on, uh, uh, on his uh, confusion sometimes. So Willie sometimes needs a while to, to rest and rejuvenate. All right, so next I got a call in from Larry Hamilton. This is great stuff. So Larry from uh, Follow Me and Die, so check this out. Hey, Froth, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die. I was reminded in listening to your latest Hump Day Bloggerama that you'd had your prior episode about higher-level play, and I'd meant to call in on that, but life gets crazy and you get distracted, and so I thought I'd call in now. Um, we had some high-level play... Uh, my character Griswold, that is the namesake behind the phrase follow me and die, um, is a half-elf fighter cleric magic user, and he became a 10th level cleric, 10th level fighter, 11th level magic user, and that took years of gameplay, and 
the uh, vagaries of schedules, me being off at college and having to come back home to be in my brother's campaign and so forth, uh, really slowed things down. But he made it interesting. One of the fellow players, to continue, one of the high-level players was a magic user, and he made it to 17th level and found a Nyun stone, which added a level, so he became an archmage. And that's the only time I've ever experienced anybody reaching 18th level legitimately in the game. In my brother's game, it's a low magic setting, so if you find a magic item and can figure it out and can keep it, that's pretty impressive. And uh, when I say we earned it, we earned it. So, uh, and the thing is, is if you do it slow and build up to it, you have a feel for what the power level is of the players and know how to throw encounters at them that will be challenging that they can't blow through. And of course, high-level players that maximize the efficiency of their tactics and so forth with proper planning and wise selection of spells and when to use them can blow through just about any encounter so that it can be down to the role of initiative that if the players fail, they get done to them what they would do to their opponents. And sometimes that happened where you were lucky to live long enough to run from a fight or one by the skin of your teeth. And it's all about, I guess, a lot of it's feel and experience. And if you see your players are blowing through certain encounters, just have them have max hit points or something. There's different ways you can make that work. Anyway, that's it. Thanks. Okay, so that was pure gold from Larry Hamilton of Follow Me and Die. Uh, I hope GMs are taking notes on that. Pure gold, Larry. I appreciate that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> I had talked about a post about high-level play, and without getting into the too much of the, like the debate or the particulars of it, I, I had asked folks to, you know, if, if they experienced you know high-level play and classic D and D and everything to, to call in. I didn't hear from many people, but, but as I've pointed out before, my, my market penetration is zilch. So, <laughs> but, uh, I'm so glad you called in Larry because there's several points that he made there that are just fantastic. Um, and, uh, so first of all, you know, the obvious thing that, you know, I, I mentioned was, you know, a lot of people, the games don't last long enough to get to the high level play, you know, games fall apart or it just takes years and years and years. And, and so to get a character like Larry had, uh, which all that's fascinating to me to listen to, you know, it took a long time. So, so some of it is really, you know, I've talked about this before on uh, I did a five minute Friday about get to the good stuff, you know? So it's like, you want to run Isle of the ape from Gary Gygax you know, but don't, if you want to run all the ape, don't be like, okay, I'm going to run this, 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 and this, then we're going to do these, this series. And then finally we'll get to all the ape. Your, your chances of getting all the ape are slim to none. There's very few groups that, uh, that last that long or just life happens. And you, so if, 
if you want to play something like that, you know, dive in with the pregens or whatever. It's 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 a rarity to uh, have a game last as long as what what Larry's talking about. So so the time prevents a lot of the you know people ever even making it to high level play, let alone the the balance and stuff that he starts to get into. And then uh, one of the thing points you made, uh, Larry, that I loved was about the DM is really growing with the players as far as learning how to handle. Uh, you know, because I, like right now in my night below game, I'm seeing where it's going to go and it gets to pretty high level. It gets, you know, somewhere between 10th and 14th. It's kind of like the target of it. And a lot of those monsters, they're completely foreign to me. I, I'm like most GMs, you know, I've seen surveys and everything where most people's, you know, band of comfort is or where they're most experienced with it. And it's, and it's not the high levels and for all the kind of reasons we already talked about. So, um, you know, I'm going to need some time to kind of get used to the power level of the, uh, not just the players and what they can do, but also getting used to more and more complex monsters and, and, and spells that I've, you know, maybe read, but not ever really utilizing games and everything. So that was a great point about DMs growing with the players. And then finally, you just absolutely just crushed it. You know, you knocked it out of the park with your comment on initiative. Because I was just talking about this on my last uh, Night Below podcast about how one of the you know the, the biggest differences between old school and and more recent you know versions of the game or even lots of games is instead of individual initiative it's side base so you know and when you've got side base can be swingy at low levels you know but much less at these high levels where it's like whoever gets initiative is probably going to win the encounter based on that because, you know, the onslaught of spells and everything, I can can scarcely imagine uh, the firepower your group had. So that initiative role is probably the most important role in the game. Um, so anyway, gold there from Larry Hamilton of Follow Me and Die. Thank you so much for the call-in. I really appreciate that. All right, so let's hop right into the maps. I usually start off talking about maps. I'm a big fan of RPG cartography. So um, starting off with the Crooked Staff blog. It's crookedstaff.blogspot.com. Christian Richards, a cartographer that I've mentioned several times before, put up a cool post called Basic Cave Map Time Lapse. And so I wanted to share this because it's got a time lapse video of Christian doing uh, doing a map. And I love you know, sped up video of just about anything. It's, it's, it's cool to watch, you know, especially nature stuff. And, um, so it's a really cool map, one that you can, you know, right click, save as file away for a rainy day, one shot, but watching it get drawn and that sped up, uh, um, time-lapse style is really cool too. So you maybe want to go over and check that out. And then Abigail Lalonde, I follow on social media and, uh, Abigail doesn't run a traditional blog. She, she kind of treats her Patreon as a blog. It's patreon.com forward slash alien sunset, alien underscore sunset. And Abigail uh, is a really talented artist and also does uh, maps and cartography. And I know she's involved in um, some stuff from the um, the recent Kickstarter zine quest stuff that I'm looking forward to having in my hands. She started a series that I thought was interesting. Um, I put up the link to the first post, Monday Map Modular Mega Dungeon. So these are going to be a bunch of different maps that you can all kind of fit together in any f form or fashion to, to make your own Mega Dungeon. So I thought that was cool. Also put up a second link. Um, she just dropped a 
pamphlet dungeon, you know, the latest craze and, and zines, it's like these pamphlets. And she's got one called the Segalon hideout over on, uh, uh, itch.io. I believe it's just a dollar and it looks really good. So this is a dollar well spent, uh, very well spent. So I'll put up a link to that. If you can check that out too, it's got images of the layout and everything. I think it looks really great. And, uh, I wanted to give Abigail a shout because, uh, Abigail really does a lot to, to boost others. Um, you know, share their stuff, make people feel good. So, uh, Abigail wanted to give you a shout. Thank you for what you do for other folks. And y'all need to go over there and check her stuff out. And I believe she's got multiple tiers, including one, um, like a dollar a month. So y'all get over there and back it, download this, uh, Segalon hideout pamphlet jam dungeon and check it out. Uh, yeah. Um, Aniko Manicha, I'm always talking about Aniko. I just love Aniko's style. Aniko always messes with, uh, you know, has cool perspective and composition in, in his maps. And he's got a new one up called the Dwarf Port of Termagnur. And I put an image up of it. And it's great because it's got like the top down view, but then inset there into the corner, there's like this parchment landscape view that's. Um, it was a clever way to do, you know, multiple perspectives on that. I just love his style. It's a really cool map. You should, uh, you know, definitely check that out and get over to El Tomo Carmesi, his blog and, and look through some more of his stuff. It's fantastic. Also check his Patreon out. And then finally, I wanted to end with this one because I thought this was really cool at uh, sharpbrush.blogspot.com. Okay. The sharp end of the brush is the title for this blog. And I don't know if I see a title. Yeah, Rob Dean. Okay, so this is a, a, a wargaming blog. And, I've, I, you know, I mentioned before, I'm always trying to expand different blogs, anything RPG or gaming related. Um, and so I follow some wargame blogs. And sometimes, you know, it, it, they're maybe not something that's so general or universal where it would be a, a great, you know, they're still cool, but it's maybe not a great, lot of great posts to share with a big audience that everyone can enjoy. But this one I thought fit the bill. It's called Battle of the Crossroads. And um, Rob is talking about, he runs a solo game for himself, Wargaming. So that feels like what I might have to do eventually. <laughs> so I want to get into it, but I don't necessarily have the people to do it. So maybe I'll be uh, the next Rob doing solo Wargaming. But the thing that I wanted to bring into the mapping is he's got his own setting, his Northlands campaign setting. And the image for it is like a, um, you know, regional map, but instead of being, you know, with a com computer program, or whatever, not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but there's something special about a hand-drawn regional map of your own campaign. There's such a personal touch to it, such a unique, uh, a unique thing about that when you see them. And this one's great. It's got all these little flourishes, like a, you know, like an old school, old timey sea monster in the sea and uh, heraldry and stuff. And I love it. It's, 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 a, it's so, um, like I say, it's got such a personal touch to it and it's, uh, it's, it's really good. I, I enjoy it uh, tremendously looking at it. It just makes you want to game, you know? And so that's over at sharpbrush.blogspot.com. And the whole post is kind of cool, reading through the Battle of the Crossroads, the solo war game stuff that, uh, that Rob is doing. So that's what I've got for you all for maps today. Coming up next...
All right, so we have some really awesome uh, reviews and retrospectives this week, and I was really excited about this segment because there's some really cool stuff. Um, first, at OldSchoolRolePlaying.com, there is a kind of a, a look, a fond look back at the Intellect Devourer. Yes, the Intellect Devourer, not to be confused with the Thought Eater, the Intellect Devourer. Basically, well, it looks like a brain with legs, right? And uh, so it's. Uh, it looks back over its kind of combat abilities and what it's looked like in different editions and, um, you know, how it, it played in different editions and different lore and kind of all this kind of stuff. So if you like these weird monsters, I, my favorite monsters are these weirdo, you know, monsters like this, you know, the brain with legs, intellect devourer. I'm all about it, you know? So, uh, I thought this was cool. If you want to just, uh, uh, read a nice article that just celebrates the weirdo brain with legs, the intellect devourer. Go over to oldschoolroleplaying.com and check that out. Definitely a fun post. Um, all right, and so at mythlands.erce, I guess, E-R-C-E, mythlands. or it might just be erce, mythlands.erce.blogspot.com, there was a post uh, in praise of black box D&D. It says, when it comes to non-advanced D&D, the internet, and particularly the OSR blogosphere, uh, has given praise galore for the BX sets for D&D. Um, and even, but then it says, uh, no one ever mentions 1991's Black Box, right? Uh, the Timothy B. Brown and Troy Denning Black Box. And, you know, that's kind of true. This is kind of like the forgotten basic set in some ways. Um not sure why that is. Maybe it was because it was after the initial kind of fad, you know, of the early eighties and, you know, and everything of, of D and D. Um, so, uh, but for whatever reason, it doesn't get mentioned that much. And, um, um, they put up a kind of a post talking about the contents of it, how it has these dragon cards. Now I don't, I've never seen the black box, um, you know, uh, or I would have bought it, you know, <laughs> I need to track one down, but I've never seen one in person, so I can't speak to the contents, but this is a good job talking about it. It's got, it looks like it's got a cool DM screen. Now, actually, I've seen this DM screen before, I think maybe just kind of tossed in the used bin at the local game shop, and I didn't know what it was from. I thought maybe from a module or something, but uh, apparently it was from this black box. And there's also, it came with like a battle map, some paper minis, and some dragon cards where it talks about the dragon cards. You can turn them over and it's got a, a play sequence from card to card that shows you how to play along with the, the adventure it comes with. And um, it also mentions that instead of going to third, it goes to fifth level. So this looks like a really cool set from 1991, the black box. It doesn't get talked about that much. So I got to you know be honest with you. I'm completely ignorant of, of the contents and everything. I've you know, seen it pictures or whatever and see it get get mentioned but it's, it's not one that i'm familiar with at all so if you have any love for the black box or just want to take a look at uh, the contents of a, a later set uh, maybe not as celebrated of basic DD, i thought this was cool uh, cool post again over at mithlands.erce.blogspot.com in praise of black box DD. all right so this is one that i've been looking forward to talking about um it's at theseoldgames.com. A forgotten classic, The Dark Tower by Milton Bradley Company. 
So this was like, when I saw this, it's like, oh man, I remember that. Back in 1981, I remember these commercials. It's this game, it's like a board game meets, you know, computer sort of thing where it's got this tower in the center that's got, you know, some random, you know, digital electronic elements. And I remember everybody in the neighborhood wanting this game, Dark Tower. Um, and I put up a, a found a, a video of the commercial for that actually has Orson Welles in it. And Orson Welles is Welles complete, you know, later sellout days, you know, like, uh, doing wine commercials and everything. And, uh, so it's got this, this funny commercial from that should, for people of a certain generation, you should instantly remember it. I never got to play dark tower. I think my parents, I think some parents just back then just kind of instinctively knew when something was a game like if you bought it that it would just get played once so or maybe it wasn't that way maybe it was the greatest thing ever it's got a little bit about the gameplay and how it worked i just remember there were all these trends and and board games and everything you know there was the whole electronic trend where there were games like this that had a little electronic element and then it wasn't long after that that you had the the vhs trend you know i guess once uh vhs players got cheap enough to where every every family had one then you had the games that had like a board game and then you'd occasionally stick in the tape and play a piece or whatever i, I remember we had like a, a mystery game or something a detective game that that, that used the v, vhs tape so these were kind of you know fad things once electronics got a, uh the technology was able to be mass produced effectively and cheaply and everything but uh anyway if you ever played Dark Tower or have any Dark Tower stories, please call in and let me know. This was like a total blast from the past. One of these things that's in your, was somewhere linking, you know, uh, lurking in my, my memory bank, but I had completely forgotten about it. So this was a uh, Phil Viverito over at uh, These Old Games. Great post, Phil. Appreciated that. Then, uh, let's see, over at... Uh, the Hall of the Mountain King, Jason Zavoda's blog, Jason Zavoda, Jason Z-A-V-O-D-A-Hall-of-the-Mountain-King.blogspot.com. Jason has done a lot over the years supporting the Greyhawk setting. In fact, Jason's probably, you know, got to be maybe one of the, you know, top, you know, living experts probably on Greyhawk. Uh, Jason has done like these massive indexes which is just oh astounding how much work Jason's put into them of indexing all these different references, no matter how obscure and no matter what source of Greyhawk. And it's just like a incredible kind of life's work type deal. Uh, you know, you um, got to have a passion and love for a Greyhawk to do it, but started a, a, a new post, a new series just recently saga of the old city Gygax book club review so this is a book, um, a Greyhawk novel from Gygax called Saga of Old City. And it, Jason's starting like this read-through series of it. So this first first um, post does through page like 42 and goes into just like some notes. And so the next, you know, next post will follow the next piece of the book. I've never read any of Gygax's novels, you know. I was aware of him writing a few. I, I I wonder what they read like, you know. <laughs> I wonder if they read anything like the the DMG or anything, or if he's if he's long winded, or if they're actually pretty good. I know he did some like Gord the Rogue 
books that I've heard about and everything. So I, I can't speak to the quality, but I thought this would be a cool series to follow along with if you're into Greyhawk or want to hear about uh, one of Greyhawk's novels, The Saga of Old City. So you can check that out. Oh, yeah, this is a Gord the Rogue one. So um, anyway, uh, good stuff over there at Hall of the Mountain King from Jason Zavoda. And then finally on the reviews and retrospectives um, for you Warhammer Fantasy fans out there at awesomelies.blog.wordpress.com, there is a review of the new Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition book, Rough Nights and Hard Days. Now this one has kind of an interesting history that it gets into with this. It's Graham Davis that um, that, that wrote this, whose, whose name should be familiar. I know Graham had a substantial input in certain of the uh, Enemy Within uh, books and also wrote a an adventure that's featured here that people point out as a classic, you know, point to as a classic called A Rough Night at the Three Feathers that was originally in uh, White Dwarf. And it really is a good module. You can find it. And I've seen people convert that module um, to multiple game systems. And so this has... Uh, that adventure, as well as another couple of earlier adventures, one called Natasha's Wedding from uh, Warhammer First Edition, and then one um, from The Edge of Night, which I guess was for Third Edition, and then it adds those those three with two new ones. So it's got a you know um, adventure by adventure uh, uh, review here that uh, is, is really nice. Uh, you definitely get a real feel of what you're getting if you're buying the book. So if you're into the new Warhammer fantasy and, and want to read through this, this is a kind of a brand new release, and I thought this was a great review of it. And uh, so you can check that out as well. Okay, so there's kind of bittersweet Star Wars stuff going on recently. Uh, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, passed away uh, just recently uh, on the 30th of April, but I don't think they announced it you know to the public till the first of may and uh you know everybody's seen the star wars movies and y'all need me to tell you that peter mayhew did an amazing job playing chewbacca i mean it's really the sign of a great actor when you can you know bring so much character and personality and even you know humor and and emotion to a role when you're basically in a big hair suit you know so uh, astounding talent really, uh, for, for what he was given to work with. And, um, th this, why I say bittersweet is because it kind of coincided with, uh, the 4th of May. So, you know, you see all this star Wars stuff, May the 4th, you know, like may the force be with you. And so, um, it was timely. It allowed people, they were already celebrating Star Wars to really celebrate his life and like the joy he brought people and everything. And um, so there were also lots of different Star Wars related blog posts, as you can imagine. And one that was great at rollingboxcars.com. And this was written by Stephen uh, Panisi. And this is Making the Kessel Run Through the Star Wars RPG Universe. This is a great article that goes all the way through from the West End game, Star Wars editions, all the way forward to the Fantasy Flight stuff that's going on now. And it, it, it goes into board games, miniatures games, the Wizards of the Coast stuff. It's a really good overview 
Um, really a good one to bookmark or if you, you're, you're just interested in the, the different Star Wars RPGs over the years. Great, great, great post. Um, really helpful if you want to kind of see what all has happened and get a little bit of a feel for the different systems and maybe think about which one's right for you. Something I didn't really realize is it also mentioned that there's no, I've noticed that there's no PDFs of this stuff to buy, um, but it said that uh, like Lucasfilm has never authorized legal PDFs of it, so that's why you can't you know, buy PDFs of any of this stuff, so I thought that was just an interesting side note, but great post from Stephen Panisi over at rollingboxcars.com looking over the history of the st different Star Wars role-playing games. And as a kind of companion post to that, I put up uh, from burnafterrunningrpg.com a post called uh, Star Wars. This is by Guy Eats Food. <laughs> catchy, t catchy name, Guy Eats Food, almost as good as our fed. But uh, Star Wars one-shots, the way is strong in these ones. It says to celebrate Star Wars Day, here's a review of the options you currently have. You want to run a one-shot in the worlds of Ewoks and Gungans. So it's... Uh, it's a few different uh, one-shots and stuff uh, through the different editions, you know, uh, Fantasy Flight stuff, uh, West End Games, Star Wars D20 Saga Editions, Common Villainy, a bunch of stuff. Cypress has, has got some suggestions um, of, of other systems that you can use for Star Wars one-shots. So between that previous post um, at rollingboxcars.com and this one at burnafterrunningrpg.com. It's got a lot of ideas on the different Star Wars role-playing systems, one-shots you can run, things like that. And now, a word from our sponsors. Alright, let's roll on some random tables. Uh, the blogs never let me down week after week. There's lots of generators, random tables, fun stuff like that. Who doesn't like rolling on random tables, so... Over at the D4 Caltrips uh, blog, blog.d4caltrips.com. I've talked about K-Tray uh, and uh, their blog over here before. They sometimes will put up a PDF, which is really helpful. And so this one is called These Village Folk Are, and it's a D100 table that's just giving you kind of random peculiarities to breathe life into the a little village you might run into. So let's check this out. These Village Folk Are... They need a wizard to banish the town's imaginary curse. <laughs> I like that. Let's see here. These village folk are painting evil eye protection symbols on all doors. Oh, great. That's like a hook already. Let's see one more on here. These village folk are Digging a new well and swearing up a storm. <laughs> so just some random flavor uh, for what the village folk are up to at the, the next little podunk Thorpe that your uh, party stops in. So great stuff there and a downloadable PDF from K Trey over at blog.d4caltrips.com. Blog Good stuff. Over at a blastered, blasted cratered land. Ooh, my tongue is failing me. Come on. A Blasted Cratered Land, craterland.blogspot.com. This is, I don't have the name on whose blog this is. You'd think I'd have these memorized by now, but uh, Marvelous Magical Mutations. Um, let's see, so 
Magical Mutations. This is one that's got one where I can just click it. Do I want to click it or I want to roll? So let's see. My D20 Mutant Origins. My parents were mutants. Belong to a proud mutant family line. All right. How about my Cosmetic Mutations? Compound eyes. Whole bunch of little eyeballs like a raspberry. <laughs> Nasty. I like it. I've got my father's eyes. Uh, D20. Uh, let's skip down here. Okay, how about something supernatural? Supernatural mutation. Aravor. I can eat five gold pieces instead of a ration and can digest metal. <laughs> Let's do one more on these. Uh, mixed mutation. All right. Molten blood. Your blood is now molten iron. You're incredibly warm and deal D6 fire damage to anyone who wounds you in melee. Oh, that's killer. Killer stuff here. Mutant tables. Marvelous Magical Mutations over to Blasted Cratered Land. Crateredland.blogspot.com. Very good stuff there. Then let's see. This was at Tomb of the Wandering Millennial. T-O-T-M-V-2. The number 2.blogspot.com. Familiar Binding Redux. It says, Throughout history, witches and warlocks have taken bestial familiars as aids to their spellcraft. This spell allows a magic user to bind an otherworldly entity into a contract, bestowing gifts of knowledge and power in exchange for sacrifices. The entity requires a vessel to house it while it lingers on this plane, and the caster must provide the corpse of one of the following. Let's see. What kind of corpse do I need here? A dog. Oh, man, that's no good. Benji. The bargain in the contract. Once contact's been established, the bargaining process begins. The player rolls randomly to determine the familiar's demands, but may choose a boon. So the familiar demands... Ritual sacrifice of a virgin. First the dog, now the virgin? Oh, come on. Who the heck wrote this? <laughs> uh, it doesn't have a title for who wrote it. Anyway, you get the idea on this one. Kind of a grim... Uh, I don't know if I want the familiar that bad. First the dog, now the virgins. Come on now. Anyway, you can go over to TOTMV2, the Tomb of the Wandering Millennial, TOTMV2.blogspot.com. Check out the familiar binding redux post. All right, so then there's a couple of generators where you, you don't actually roll. One is over at um, Nate Treem's blog, Highland Paranormal Society. Stolen City Block Generator. Made a generator from the tables of the Stolen City... Uh, Nate's mini urban RPG setting. Um, so you can just click to generate a whole block of the city, which I just did. Uh, this is really nice. It's got uh, a dominant gang, the Kettle Crips, a bunch of locations like a tenement building, overgrown park, um, the day traffic, like I might notice, an armadillo ox drawn wagon taking trash out of the city, an encounter, uh, alley and ruin encounters. A lost child leads to a gang of ambush, like they set out a lost child as bait for you to fall into the ambush. Awesome stuff. Nate Treem's also always doing cool stuff. So very good stuff. Go to natetream.com and check out that stolen city block generator. Really nice. 
Speaking of nice generators, I talk about Alex Schroeder all the time at campaignwiki.org forward slash hex dash describe. Y'all got to get over and check this out, the hex describe. You can load these different data sets from, from Alex and Peter Seckler and Matt Strom. And then just click submit. It gives you a hex map. It gives you hex by hex descriptions. And this isn't just like random stuff that makes no sense, like the words weren't meant to go together. It's awesome stuff. Like uh, it's even got little images that'll pop up next to when it mentions like an orc or something. There'll be a little orc picture. And uh, so, for an example, the quality I just rolled on here, it's got this huge, you know, hex map numbered with, um, and the, the descriptions match up with the terrain. So, um, these mountains are riddled with natural limestone caves. The caves are inhabited by a lamia known as Sulian. Um, there's a hidden meadow up here protected by the empty fingers, um, the, which is the mountains that's right next to it. So, it, it knows how to insinuate nearby hexes and what's been rolled this is and i've played with this a few times this is so good so i mean this is really good um alex is a genius i've said it before uh always coming up with some amazing tools and tricks and this hex describe uh deal here this is money so y'all need to go over and, and click around on this i mean you can click just a one click campaign setting really i mean you want to talk Hear people talk about the lazy DM? Yeah, well, this is the ultimate for a lazy DM. You know, one-click campaign setting. Boom. Great job on that, Alex. Thank you for the gifts that you continue to give us. And coming up next, sometimes you just want a little humor. You know, a little break. A little break from the grind. And uh, so this one doesn't need a long froth diatribe going with it. This is just a post I saw about D&D memes, 20 of the best D&D memes on Reddit. Uh, I put an image of one up on the Thought Eater blog. Just silly stuff, but funny D&D related memes. Just go over there and click over at geeknative.com and check that out. Uh, everybody needs a little humor break now and then. And uh, D&D, there's a lot of humor related with D&D, you know. One of my favorite things about the game is, is uh, you know, the emergent humor, the unpredictable funny stuff that happens playing with your friends and uh so some of this po uh, pokes fun at that and points to the inherent humor in, in dungeons and dragons so go over and check it out at geeknative.com 20 of the best D, D memes on reddit okay so under the title of world building i'm putting a couple links i found one could maybe have been a random table but it's 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 really it's it's 40, it's a list of 40 real medieval professions. So are you a GM looking for some bizarre sounding, but totally real medieval professions? Uh, you know, so it's a list of odd, obscure jobs from the medieval times. This is at motocrosh.com, M-O-T-T-O-K-R-O-S-H, motocrosh.com. So it's got, I mean, some of them I've heard of, but I gotta be honest, a lot of them I've never heard of in my life. A spurviter a futurer, a climmer, a vaginarius. Oh, dare I search for what this is. Oh, it's a maker of sheaths and scabbards. Uh, let's look at a couple of these. A boothaler. What was a boothaler? A robber. Uh, a piss prophet. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness gracious. 
one who diagnosed diseases by inspecting the patient's urine. Oh, now that's a background. You know, so much for, uh, you know, blacksmith. Yeah, you know, blacksmith is one thing, but have you ever role-played a, a piss prophet? <laughs> so, anyway, if you want some, some odd uh, medieval professions, uh, you can go over to this list. This is good, actually. I, I think this would be good for, uh, like I said, world-building, setting, you know, if you're trying to design like a little town and think of the different jobs people can have, you know, why go with the same old tired stuff when you can have a, a piss profit? Um, and so the other, the other um, thing I put under um, world building is that the amateurdungeoneers.blogspot.com. They put up a great post, world building resources, YouTube channels. This is from Bob something. So just figured I'd post some YouTube related resources which have helped me flesh out things for games. Some of the things are obvious and well known, others maybe a little less so. Um, and so it's got one about world building and history, world building literary critiques, historical matters, science related videos, videos about prehistoric life. And so a lot of this is cool, like science related stuff or world building vid uh, specific videos that uh, Bob something here found helpful um, with their um, game settings and I think uh, a lot of other folks will too um, so lots of it's good to have, you know I was talking about this and <laughs> my top three Tuesday I like lists of things um, or uh, collections and uh, so that's what this is a collection of some YouTube channels that might help with your world building uh, with some world building resources so, <clears throat> the Origins uh, Awards listed their 2019 nominees. And uh, at the Origins Game Fair, the winners are going to be announced and presented at an award ceremony on June 15th, 2019. So, these different game awards, you know, it's kind of interesting. Some, You know, they all have different methodologies for how they, you know, the NEs has been um, criticized for its kind of nominating and judging process in the past. Um, and uh, with Origins, it looks like they have, I don't know how they determine who votes, but it's an Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts and Design is what they refer to themselves as to. And they'll uh, vote on for the winner, and then there'll be a fan favorite voted by attendees of the convention. I thought this might be of interest in case you missed it, just to see what was looked at as like the best of this year. It's got board games, card games, collectible games, um, and then of course, um, miniature games, role-playing games, role-playing supplements, game accessories. So, <clears throat> as far as miniatures games, you'll see things from uh, Games Workshop with Necromunda, Kill Team. Uh, there's a Star Wars Legion game for Fantasy Flight. Um, Modifius has a Fallout Wasteland Warfare game that got nominated. Amongst the role-playing games, notable games would include like the Flash Gordon box set for um, Savage Worlds from Pinnacle. Monty Cook has got a couple things up, that Invisible Sun uh, box set. With the production values look incredible. I, but I don't know too many people that have tried it or played it, you know what I mean, with the, with the price tag. But um, it looks really interesting. Um, 
also some Numenera stuff. I guess the second, the 2E Numenera was nominated. Has it only been a year since that came out? That seems like it'd be longer. Um, Mutants and Masterminds Basic Heroes Handbook. I put up a review of that last week. That got nominated. Uh, Vampire of the Masquerade 5E. Star Trek Adventures Starter Set. Um, some other stuff, too. And um, as far as role-playing supplements, the Masks of Nihilothotep Slipcase Set got nominated. Uh, you know that's good. Um, some Conan stuff from Modiphius. You start to see the, kind of the same names getting mentioned under a lot of this. Uh, Traveler thing from Mongoose got nominated. Anyway, and game accessories. Let's see if there's anything of real interest here. Some WizKid stuff. Uh, some D&D &D monster cards. Some Gale Force 9. You know. This is, uh, you know, you know already if this would be of any interest to you, but if you want to see the kind of stuff that was nominated for the awards this year, uh, uh, based, you know, from uh, for the Origins Awards in a bunch of different game categories, I put up a list from originsgamefair.com. They kind of put this out as a blog post. So if you're interested, click over to the Thought Eater blog and check it out. All right, so my final topic today kind of needs a preface before I get into it because... I want to say before I start talking about this that it is totally fine. We, we need to respect different people's opinions, right? I try to see things from multiple perspectives. Um, one of my favorite writers, Robert Anton Wilson, wrote that uh, belief is the death of intelligence. And I think that got paraphrased later in like a Game of Thrones episode, but that's, that's Robert Anton Wilson. And uh, Robert Anton Wilson would talk about how we get caught in our own reality tunnels, and it makes us real hard. We get kind of program ourselves based on habit to not be able to learn anything because we, we're stuck in our own kind of habitual reactions. And talks about looking at both sides of not believing in something, looking at both sides of things to find the truth. Now, look, obviously there are some opinions that I don't need to to look at both sides to, to know that I disagree or what's right and what's wrong or, or, or these kind of things, you know, uh, to use a simple example, like I'm, I'm not going to go and dive into flat earthers theories or all these sorts of things to, you know, just to come up to a conclusion that the earth, you know, isn't flat or whatever. But as far as something like a game, right, there's, it's not worth arguing with somebody about the right and way, right and wrong way to play a game. You know, uh, if, as long as you're having fun, what works for you, you know, I don't get into certainly not addition wars, but I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to disagree with this person strongly, but I'm not saying anything about them personally. And also in doing so maybe can find some things that maybe, um, uh, you know, I look at it a little bit different as a result of what they said, but so this is at dungeonsolvers.com, and I'm 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 titling this, putting this under the heading balance schmalance. So th this person Eldadrace or Eldadrace put up a post: How important is balance in D&D Five E? And they go through a long list of how you know talking about how important they consider balance. Uh, a balanced game. Um, Let's see some of the things they say. They're super type A about balance. Playing by the rules and ensuring that the game fits in within with the bound of balance is very important to me. Um, 
Encounter design and balance accounts for a large portion, portion of my session prep. So a large portion of their time is spent on balancing encounters and encounter design. Uh, they talk about how they don't like to roll for character stats. They, they will only use point by because someone could end up with some 16 and 18s and other people at the table wouldn't have those 16s and 18s. So that's not a good thing. They talk about the using challenge, the challenge rating, CR, to balance encounters to make sure that they're not too hard on the players, right? Um, that it's fairness, uh, that you can't, you know, over-challenge the players, um, you know, and, and on and on and on with things like this. Um, that you can't strip your players of magical items or processions, or overdo that. Um, not that I think anybody ever overdoes it, but you know, I, I immediately think of the rust monster. You know, this person probably hates the rust monster. And that balance is just important. They even put up a picture, you know, an old D and D picture, and it says D and D already gets wild enough. Don't let things get out of hand too quickly. So, needless to say, like I totally disagree with this person. I don't dislike this person, and I don't want to denigrate their opinion. People's different opinions. Everybody's entitled their own opinion, and and that's fine. But I just, it just, this was such a stark contrast to to what I think. I despise balancing encounters based on challenge rating. How fourth edition did it. How third edition did it. How five e does it. Because, and I believe Rob C talked about this as well probably more eloquently than me but all it means is that you're no matter what level the party's at the the balance you know the same they're having the same encounter over and over it's just instead of a goblin now it's something that's you know balanced to be just as effective as the goblin was against a first level character now it's just made for a fifth level or you know and and uh so it's 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 not there's no feeling of progression there's no feeling of danger in the world when every every group can expect every encounter to be balanced according to what they're going to be able to handle so this is what happened this is part of why people complain about fourth edition combat dragging you know one of the reasons it dragged is because no one ever ran away because they never encountered something that wasn't perfectly balanced for them to be able to beat. It might be a little bit more challenging or a little bit less challenging, but there was never an expectation of, holy crap, get out of here, we gotta go, you know, certain death. And so, you know, plus there's so many great benefits to rolling characters, you know, and may, I don't know, maybe in these new games, you know, the difference between a couple points is, is, is so huge that it's, you know, because I don't have anything against point buy. I like point buy in a lot of games. You know, it allows you to create the kind of character you want to play. Um, but um, at the same time, that would that doesn't follow that I don't like rolling. I, in fact, I, I love to uh, use all different kinds of methods of rolling. You end up coming up with something and playing a character you might not have expected. Um, Jez Gordon, um, who uh, is working on the game Feral who some of y'all might know the name, really talented artist, designer, um, had this character, like a, oh, Man Rider is the name of it. And it's from uh, playing in these um, Flail Snails games, you know, where you can bring a character 
to different games, even if it, the system's a little bit different, as long as it's like OSR, you can kind of play the, you bring your character from game to game. And the character Man Rider had like a, you know, constitution or something of like, th you know, three, and, uh, you know, had just terrible stats. So it was called Man Rider because it, it actually had to ride on another character just to get around, right? Are you ever going to have a Man Rider? If everything's perfectly balanced and everybody has to have this exact, you know, gets this point by or whatever, no, you, you don't, you know. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about this, about the negatives of it, but then at the same time, I look at it and it's like, now, is there some balance in old school D&D? &D? You know, we talk about, I've talked about this before when I ran my night, running my night below game and everything. Um, when I have players that are missing and there's, they're not at full, full speed and everything, sometimes I feel bad throwing the full brunt of some random encounters to them because, well, because they don't have their full party there. And so I do have that kind of balance thought in my mind, right? In classic D&D, you know, things do get more deadly you know, the deeper levels and dungeons you get and everything. And so you could argue that that is a kind of balanced system there, even though a party could conceivably go straight down to the bottom level if they found the stairs or whatever. So it's not as easy to say as that there, that I, I, you know, don't want any balance. You know, I wouldn't ever say, okay, let's roll up characters. And then, okay, you guys walk outside of town, red dragon kills you at the end, right? So there's a level of tact there and kind of, I don't know, call it whatever, what you will, common sense, call it balance, right? Um, that is there. So this is not something that I wanted to present to get to an exact answer. I uh, thought it might generate thought, might have people look at both sides and think about it. Because whereas I do completely disagree on many of uh, this person's points, certainly a valid way to, to, to play, no better or worse than uh, anyone else's perspective. And it made me just kind of think about not only what I strongly disagree with, but also ways that I might be using balance myself, you know what I mean? And, uh, and that kind of thing. So anyway... If you have any thoughts on game balance, any things I've talked about, uh, I'd love you to call in. But first, I would go over and read this post at Dungeon Solvers, DungeonSolvers.com. How important is balance in D&D 5e? Read through it. You know, you might feel your blood pressure <laughs> rise during some of it. But then reflect on it. Think about it. And uh, if you've got anything to say about it, I'll put you on uh, the show next week. Um, as long as it's not, you know, you know, as long as we can agree to disagree without being you know, wild animals, you know what I mean? Anyway. All right. So that's the show for this week. I feel really good about it. Actually, I had fun. I hope you enjoyed listening. Lots of good stuff. Now don't turn me off just yet because I've got a call that I saved for the end from Goblin's Henchman. Uh, Goblin's Henchman. That's singular.wordpress.com I've talked about before. The henchman himself called in, and uh, I'm going to share that at the very end. I want you all to hear it. It has to do with uh, Logan Howard's amazing 
Thought Eater theme that uh, Logan from Swordbreaker sent to me. So uh, I've saved that for the end. So you're going to have to listen to my end blurb. I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. You're going to have to listen. <laughs> You've come this far. But I want to give special thanks to the folks that called in. Uh, Mr. Yoder, Cody M. These are legendary, world-renowned, highly touted Anchorites podcasting here on Anchor. Uh, Mr. Yoder, Cody M., Larry Hamilton, and Arfed, who you'll hear on uh, Colin Green's Spike Pit podcast. I'm waiting for Arfed to crank crank his own podcast up. Maybe if we pressure Arfed, he's going to do it. But thanks to y'all very much. Um, I really appreciate folks listening and uh, and checking it out and the call-ins and, and knowing that people enjoy it. It makes me want to keep doing it. So thank you very much. If you want to contact me, you can email me, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Don't forget all of these links and many more past episodes of Hump Day Blogorama are all archi- archived over at the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftfrothsofdnd.blogspot.com. Want to give a special thank you and shout out the folks backing me on Patreon. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Only a dollar a month. Uh, and so check this out from Goblin's Henchman. It's going to lead us into the um, outro theme from Logan Howard. And I'll talk to y'all next time. Hi Froth, it's Goblin's Henchman here. I just got finished listening to your latest Hump Day Bloggerama and that was another great episode, so thank you for doing that. The thing that caught me slightly off guard about it was I, I haven't as yet heard your new outro, the sort of rappy one. Now, I have a little secret. I often listen to podcasts at uh, one and a half times speed or even sometimes twice speed, depending on the clarity of the uh, speaker and um, how obviously how quickly they naturally talk. Anyway, I, I just happened to be listening to that particular episode at, um, I believe, about one and a half times speed. It may even be two times speed. And I, I get, my ear gets in, so I don't hear it being fast anymore. Anyway, the outro came over as quite quite a phenomenal piece of speed rapping. <laughs> uh, I, I, I challenge you to have a listen to that because it made me laugh. Anyway, um, hearing it at that speed. Anyway, great. Cheers. Bye. Hi, Froth. It's Goblin Henchman here again. I've been uh, thinking about uh, Logan Howard's rap, and I thought, well, not not to be outdone by his his fine lyrical uh, eloquence, I thought I'd prepare my own uh, homage to the Hump Day Bloggerama. So prepare yourself, because I'm not a singer. So to the to the tune of the Lord of the Dance. Blog, blog, wherever you may be, Froth is the Lord of RPGs, and he'll lead you all with his Vorpal Plus Three, and he'll lead you all in the dungeon, said he. They cut him down, he leapt up high, he made his SSS, he'll never, never die. Well, all right, that's it. probably completely ludicrous but anyway logan you've been put on notice there's a new there's a new new kid in town and it's the henchman cheers fellas great job bye sickly platypus a psychic grenade zeroing in on your mental trade gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind.
Boom, 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 boom,